When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Everybody, welcome to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. This is Thor coming from America. What's up? You're listening to Stu's Wrestling Podcast. It's time for British Wrestling's Sharpshooter, your host, Stu Palmer. A warm welcome, we're striking my lines hot again into 2021. Had that little break for a couple of weeks, but we're back. It's episode 69, and it is Adam Parsons, producer, interviewer for Jarrett Parsons Entertainment. Parsons Entertainment cover the territories from way back when. They have 20 different promotions from yesteryear, and they've got so much content, and they're adding content weekly, monthly, and it all comes for a price of $3.99 a month. So Adam speaks at length about that and what they're providing. Adam also wrestles during the pandemic. I think it's calmed down a bit for him, but he was trained by the great Ricky Morton. So we get to hear about that too. So without further ado, my guest for episode 69 of Stu's Wrestling Podcast, Adam Parsons of Jarrett Parsons Entertainment. Enjoy. My guest this afternoon in the UK, this morning where he is in Kentucky, it's Mr. Adam Parsons of Jarrett Parsons Entertainment. How's it going, sir? Uh, as good as it can be with COVID-19 and everything else going on. So I'm just uh, enjoying the day, keeping my son home, keeping him out of daycare for an extra day. So we're just sitting at the house here having fun. How about you? All good, mate. All good. I've wanted to get you on for a while, man. So it's just, it's, it's great. It's cool that finally got it done. And uh, yeah, looking forward to finding out about the company and, and what, what it is that you do day to day. And yeah, just... In, in more recent times, how has COVID affected you and the pandemic? Um, well, wrestling-wise, it's, it's became harder and harder to meet up, uh, to film with Jerry Jarrett or Rip Rogers or to even with my dad to come down here or to me to go to my dad's house. Uh, all of that has became harder now. It's a lot harder on travel. And then, of course, um, if you keep up with my father, Rock Parsons, on Facebook, he just had heart surgery. Uh, he had COVID in March, so um, since that has happened, he's had uh, several heart problems, and it's all been within the last eight months the heart damage has happened. So it's affected us uh, in more ways than one. Thank you for sharing that as well. It's you know, very, very personal information. You know. So, yeah, I appreciate you telling us that, and the listeners will appreciate you speaking about that too. How did it, how did it begin, Jarrett Parsons Entertainment? What was the beginnings the origins of, of setting it up and getting it rocking and rolling um so actually my dad had the idea in 1991 he had the idea that he wanted to start buying out all the old promoters that were still alive and uh, buy their footage from of course back then no internet he wanted to just start a television channel so in the process of doing that he had bought uh, some tapes from dick the bruiser um he had bought some tapes of uh George Cannon's promotion in Canada, Superstars of Wrestling. And he had bought a few tapes from The Sheik. 
financially, it just didn't work out. It was a lot harder back then to start up a whole entire television station. But over the course of 1991 on, he slowly but surely just bought some, bought some tapes. And then in 2007, maybe 2008, uh, PM Films, which is Pedro Martinez, he had passed that library down to his son, Ronnie. Ronnie passed away, and um, they'd actually set the deal. Ronnie decided to go ahead and sell to my dad, and then he passed away. We actually ended up buying from Ronnie's grandson. And then um, when that happened, we got about 2,500 hours of footage, which is most of what you see now. Uh, so we started releasing DVDs slowly but surely. Um, we'd realized that streaming was becoming a pretty big deal. We became partners with Jerry Jarrett about four years ago. And my dad just kind of pitched the idea to him. I mean, hey, what about a, what about a streaming channel? So uh, it all kind of went from there. That's cool, man. That's cool. I was obviously I was watching it through Roku for a time, but where where else where else can you get it? Uh, where else can you stream it? Where is it available? Uh, so we were available on <laughs> we were available on Roku and Amazon Fire Stick. We have since uh, have left there due to some financial issues. They were wanting to charge a lot of money uh, to do the same thing that we can do now, and we're more accessible now uh, around the world than what we have been before. So now we're available at JarrettParsonsEntertainment.com. Um, so we're only available right now via internet as we speak. We have a company working on an Apple app and an Android app. So um, the Apple app will even allow us to be on Apple TV. So we'll be available on all Apple platforms, uh, all Google Play platforms, and all Android platforms. We were hoping by Halloween, uh, the company that's working on it is in New Zealand. And they have a completely different COVID-19 restrictions than what we do. They can only work so many hours a day. They can only have so many people in the office at one time. So it's kind of slowed it down. Uh, hoping by Thanksgiving, but at the very latest, they'll be here by 2021. So we'll be available virtually around the world. Which promotions are them? Obviously, I know personally what promotions are on there. But for the listeners and the viewers, which, which uh, promotions from back in the day are available on, on the app, on the program? Um, so Memphis wrestling, mm -hmm. uh, continental wrestling with the fours, uh, Southwest championship wrestling, um, Dick, the bruisers promotion to WWA, the Sheik's promotion in Detroit, uh, Portland wrestling, Polynesian pro wrestling from Hawaii at the Maya Villas ran, uh, our own promotion, the IWWA. Texas All-Star Wrestling, which is what Southwest Championship Wrestling uh, kind of resolved into. ICW Wrestling, which was uh, Macho Man Randy Savage's family's promotion. I'm trying to think. That might be it. There's a lot. So there's we got about 20 promotions total in our catalog. I did, uh, I did put you on the spot then. So for you to remember the majority of them, you're doing very well. <laughs> You could have done with a list in front of you, but you've done well there off the top of your head, mate. Fair play. Fair play. Thank you. It's great, it's, it's great for us as fans, though. Especially in the UK, we were very limited what we used to get. When I was watching it from 90 onwards, we didn't get the territories over here. We, we got WWF. We didn't even get AWA. Um, we got World of Sport, obviously, which was local to Britain. Um, right. Did you, guys, did you guys get any wrestling magazines did they we, cover the territories? We got we, we got that 
in that form, in print form, we would have done. I remember getting magazines early nineties. Um, just saying about how much, how many promotions you have within, you know, Jarrett Jarrett Parsons. It's incredible. If it's cool for people in the UK, I've told a lot of people in the UK when we didn't get the territories. What a way to go through all that footage. What you have there, how's there? Um, it's a process. That's for sure. But I'm. I, that's kind of the cool part about it is being able to – you have wrestling fans like yourself who did not um, have the privilege of being able to watch all these territories. And now with the internet and all the technology we have, we have people from around the world watching it that are going, man, I only read about these guys in magazines. And that's what's so crazy to me. I had someone message me um, from the U.K. about three months ago. And it said, and for whatever reason, I, he picked Alma Drill. He said, I used to read about Alma Drill all the time in magazines. And now that I watch – I can see him in Southwest. I can see him in Portland. I can see him in Texas All-Star. And uh, I never thought he was going to be quite as good as with the magazine. I just remember that name. But he's a lot better, and the magazine should have wrote about him more. And, you know, it's, it's weird to think about Yeah. if the magazines didn't want to write about the guy or didn't write about the guy in a positive light, um, then you guys would never know much about him other than his name. So... It's kind of cool to be able to bring that to people. And I think that was our real reason for doing it. Um, it wasn't so much to make a profit off of anything. And uh, it was more so to be able to bring that to light because it seems like to us that with growing time, professional wrestling is starting to die. And now there's a whole generation of fans growing up and all they know is sports entertainment, um, which is not professional wrestling. It's far from I'm with, I'm with you on that. How many subscribers have you got? Do you know? Do you know how many subscribers you have at the moment to, to everything? I know that when we were on Roku and Fire Stick, uh, we were getting over a hundred thousand views a month. Wow! Right now, everything is three months behind. So we just started in August, and um, so it'd be August, September, October, November. So we just got a report for November but it's not the current amount of subscribers we have right now. Right now we have about 500, um, which isn't where we want to be. No. But we have so many people just waiting for the app to come. Yeah. Once the app comes, then we'll get a lot more subscribers. Well, how much are you charging? What's, what's the charge per month for the service? $1 a week. <laughs> you can't. That's it's $3.99. It comes up to $0.13 cents a day. So it's you incredible. can't beat that. You can't. That's it's so good. That's so good for that's been incredible. And it's cheaper. It'll be cheaper than that in, in converted into pounds. Right. Over here. So yeah. That's a hell of yeah. a so we've, we hell used of to kind of put a whole bunch up every month. Now we've became kind of like Showtime or HBO. So what you'll get is about thirty hours a month. Cause we were realized we were putting so much stuff up. Nobody could watch it all. No, no. In a month. So we were working way harder than what we needed to. Um and my brother Michael does all of the editing, uploads it all. He does all of that. So it's a one-man deal. Michael's very good at what he does, very talented, uh, very proud of him. He works, he works pretty hard, about 50, 60 hours a week doing that. That's what he was doing. We've probably cut his hours in half now um, with him just doing 30, 35 hours a month. So it gives you just enough, and it leaves you waiting for the next month, which is what we wanted. Whereas before, we had so much coming up at one time. I think fans were kind of – overwhelmed with how much was on there and some of it they would miss 
because there was so much. And then they, I would have people tell me, man, I didn't have any idea that show was even on your channel because you've got so much up there. So we kind of limited to what we have. So that way it's more, everyone can kind of see everything. Just learning, learning as you're going, isn't it? That's, that's the thing. And filtering it, like, as you say, filtering it through steady. And uh, yeah, right. that, yeah I, I can't wait to see it all once it's all, you know, back, back where it, where it should be. So yeah, that's cool, man. Right. So you personally now, I'm assuming you were a wrestling fan growing up. What, oh, absolutely. What are some of your fondest memories as, as, a, as a child watching it? Because I, I love going back to uh, my childhood watching pro wrestling. So, yeah, just your, your experiences of pro wrestling as a kid when you were younger, man. So, I'm 24. I was born in 1996. So, I was growing up right in the height of the Attitude Era is when I was my earliest memories of wrestling. Um, but very fortunate for me, my dad had a lot of old tapes in the house, not just of stuff that we owned, but he had a lot of VHS tapes. He was kind of a tape trader. So we had George Championship Wrestling. We had Mid-South, Memphis. Um, we had all kinds of stuff in the house. So Tommy Rich was my favorite wrestler growing up. Wildfire Tommy Rich, uh, Jerry the King Lawler, Bob Armstrong, Brad Armstrong. Those four guys were right up there with me with The Rock, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Undertaker. Because I actually watched them more. Um, my dad would let me watch Monday Night Raw. But um, I only got to watch the first hour. I don't know if you remember that back in the day they used to sign off. Yeah, yeah. They used to go from like 9 to 10 and they'd come back off from 10 to 11. And from 10 to 11 was more adult themed. Yeah. So I would get to watch from 9 to 10 and then I had to go to bed. So many times I wouldn't even get to see The Rock or Stone Cold. They wouldn't be on the show. So, but I was just a big wrestling fan. But uh, yeah, Tommy Rich and Jerry the King Lawler, Bob Armstrong, Brad Armstrong. Today, those are probably still uh, four of my top ten favorite wrestlers. What set them apart, Adam? You know, where you held them on that pedestal that they were so high. What, what, what was it about them for you as a fan? Same thing with me now as a wrestler. Uh, of course, I haven't wrestled now in a while due to COVID-19. Shows are opened up here, but I just don't want to take the risk. I've got a, a little boy that's not even two years old is a year and 10 months. So not trying to get him sick. Um, but the same, the same things they have are the same things that I strive to be as a wrestler. They all had uh, in the wrestling business, what we call fire. They all had fire. Whenever Lawler was going to make his comeback, he was going to pull the strap down. And then you knew here it comes. Uh, Tommy Rich, all he had to do was just, he just grabbed the top of his head. He'd come down with two fists. And the bad guy knew, here it was, it was coming. Bob Armstrong the same way, Brad Armstrong the same way. They just had fire. And I guess as a little kid, I didn't know what I was looking for as a fan. But now that I've gotten older, I was like, yeah, those are the same. Those guys, I mean, I wrestle. I take a little bit from each and every one of them. Um, and that's kind of how I wrestle now. I have a little bit of, of all four of those guys put together. It was just that they just use so much emotion. I guess you call it heart. If you weren't in the wrestling business, we call it fire. You could call it heart. Um, they wrestled with a lot of heart. And the, everything they did was believable. And I think that's something that's really missing from today. I don't remember any, any of the four of those guys doing anything where you'd go, well, that was phony. Uh, everything they did was for the purpose, and everything they did meant something. I didn't, I didn't realize you were wrestling. So this is, this is great for me. I can ask. I'm going to ask Scott. When did you, when did you start? Pro, pro wrestling, when did it start for you? 2015. 
2015, 2016, some 2015 or 16. It's never been a full time thing for me. Uh, along with doing this, I was going to college most of the time. So I didn't graduate college till 2019. Um, I was a college football player as well. Then I became a high school football coach. Uh, then we started doing this, and then I was wrestling on top of that, and then I was also a dad. Uh, and then I had a full I've, I have a full time job through all of that as well. So uh, I give big props to independent wrestlers that want to go out there and wrestle every weekend and chase their dream and be able to do all that, and that's completely fine with me. What I do have a problem with is going out there and wrestling, traveling three hours to a show with a promoter who may or may not pay you, and then you get stuck in the ring with a guy who has never been trained and doesn't know what he's doing. Um, so that's kind of my problem with it. So I'm very selective of when I wrestle and who I wrestle for and who I'm wrestling against. So it's not an all-the-time thing for me. It's a, it's a once-in-a-while thing. But since COVID, I've had a pretty strong itch uh, – when it comes back full swing, I'll probably be out there every weekend for a while just to kind of to kind of get over that itch of being in the ring. Which promotions are you involved with? I'd like to ask you that, man. So, uh, majority of the time is our own promotion, which is the Independent World Wrestling Alliance. You can follow us on Facebook at IWWA Pro Wrestling. Um, other than that, there's a promotion, a couple promotions here in Kentucky that I've kind of reached out to and talked to a little bit. Uh, Ohio Valley Wrestling being one of them with Rip Rogers having such a strong presence there. Uh, that's been brought up. And then there's a group here in, in Kentucky called uh, Ultimate Championship Wrestling. Uh, Terry England is the promoter there. Uh, we've been in kind of communications with them uh, about possibly wrestling there now that I've moved down here. And then the other one is uh, James Carver Promotions, but they're kind of both, both those groups are kind of tied in together. They kind of use the same guys and kind of promote together. Um, but, of course, with COVID, it all kind of – so I came here during football season. I won't wrestle at all during football season. Uh, just too much time consuming doing that. And then um, COVID came within two months after that. So it didn't. I haven't really got a chance to, uh, to wrestle here in Kentucky. So when it opens back up – and when it opens back up, I'll be running a lot of my own shows too. So – Busy, you're busy, man. <laughs> yeah. You've got a lot on. You, you Americans, I don't know how you do it. You spin many plates. We, we don't do it over here in Britain. It's crazy. How do you find time to do everything? <laughs> how, how do you possibly? Don't sleep. <laughs> sleep about four hours a day. Really? Uh, about four or five. Now I've been, I've had a cold. As you can tell from my cough for the last week. Uh, I've been tested twice. I don't have COVID, at least that we know of. And I've been around my son, and he hasn't gotten sick yet, so I'm pretty sure the, the tests were correct. Um, but I've been taking so much cold medicine. I've been sleeping now about 10 or 11 hours a day. It's, I've been sick. This, today's day number nine, and I just can't can't shake and can't get over it. Normally, I sleep about four or five hours a day. Incredible. That's about it. I'll be up till about 2 o'clock in the morning, and I'll wake up at 6. So, And I'm working on getting my master's degree right now as well. So there's wow. another thing thrown into the mix. I'll that's be doing incredible, that on. man. I'd sit my hat to you doing all that. That's something, that's something else, man. Absolutely. I was going to ask you, in terms of getting in the ring, training, how long was it till your first match? When, when did that come to be, the first match? Um... Just a couple months. Wow. Um, I went and got trained by Ricky Morton, 
of the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. I've known Ricky since I was probably three years old, three or four years old. Um, his son, Carrie, that's wrestling now, just started wrestling this year, wasn't even – I don't think Carrie was even born yet when I knew Ricky. Um, I think Carrie's about four years younger than me. But, yeah, I went down there, and actually Carrie, being four years younger than me, trained me. I was one of the guys helping train me because he just had been in the school so long with his dad and knew exactly what his dad wanted. Um, but, yeah, I, I went down there and got trained, um, I'd say, two and a half months, three months at the most. It's probably all it was. And then I was in the ring. Did your football, so. did your football background help you? I ask guys this that have come in from other sports. I've had a lot of guys on different podcasts on the show. And they've got, you know, they've got that football background or whatever sport they're playing. Did that help you in any way? I think it helped me. I think it hurt a lot of wrestlers that I was getting in the ring with when I first started. Because um, I was doing everything 100 miles an hour. And they'd be like, okay, like, you, like slow down, breathe. But I was so used to football. Like, and, uh, yeah, that's what we call being stiff in the wrestling business. And I'd say I was pretty stiff when I first started. <laughs> Uh, I still am, but, uh, man, I was, yeah, I was, I was pretty stiff when I first started. I was just so adrenaline and I couldn't, I'd be so tense. I couldn't get myself to just relax and be able to breathe. And a lot of people don't realize how much endurance and conditioning really goes into wrestling, even for a five, six minute match. Um, if you're not relaxed and you don't breathe, slow your breathing down and be able to control your breathing and just relax your body you will be gasping for air uh, in 30 to 60 seconds. And that's what was really hard for me at the time. But, uh, yeah, the football helped me. Uh, one of the first things Jerry Jarrett said when he watched all my matches was, he said, I can tell you've played football because you're just a lot more physical uh, than the guy that I was wrestling against. So it's noticeable in the ring, and I don't mind the little contact. Some guys don't. Uh, necessarily like that, but it doesn't bother me at all. I actually, I enjoy it. Cool, man. What about developing your moveset? How how did that, how was that for you, developing a moveset going in there? Have you had to change stuff up or have you kept with the same moves in your arms? Um, I've kept with the same majority of the time. Um, not too much has changed. So now everyone's got 365 moves and I've got about five. So guys will be right coming up to me and saying, uh, you know, so what do you do? Well, I do a fish drop off the top rope. I uh, do a bulldog. I do a drop kick off the second rope. And I do a DDT. They're like, and that's it? That's it. That's all I do. But if you go back and watch any of those four guys that I talked about, how many moves did Jerry the King Aller have? No. He had the fish drop. Yeah. He had the power driver. Yeah. And that's it. That's all he had. I mean, he had, two, he had two moves. And yet he's one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, one of the greatest storytellers of all time. Um, Bob Armstrong. I don't know if he had any moves other than chopping some people and punching some people when he did the sleeper hold. Tommy Rich did the fist press, and he would do the fish drop. And every once in a while, he'd throw a drop kick. You know, Brad Armstrong had a lot of moves, but uh, I'm not nearly, not nearly as athletic as Brad Armstrong is. So... Uh, I don't follow his his moveset too much as I do just his personality and the way he wrestled in the ring as far as his intensity. But um, so my moveset stayed the same. I might add a few things in here or there. What I've been able to do over time is not add more moves. 
Um, what I've been able to do is tell a better story when I'm in the ring and things make a lot more sense and add more psychology into my matches and, and those sort of things. Um, my timing, all of that stuff. But my moves haven't changed, and I try to explain that to people, that what we call a high spot in professional wrestling, which is if you go watch AEW, just watch their show because it's all one big giant high spot. They don't slow down. If you don't slow down, fans can't appreciate what you're doing in the ring. It would be like an action movie where there's just explosions and gunfighting for two straight hours. You don't appreciate it. If it happens for the whole two hours, there has to be some story build up uh, in between that. And that's something that uh, a lot of wrestlers today aren't interested in because um, guys my age didn't grow up watching wrestling like that, like I did. So when I go and wrestle on these other shows, that's one of my main problems as well is I get stuck in the ring with a guy who wants to go 200 miles an hour and I want to go two miles an hour. So it's just a little bit of a different style. But I like that because I stand out. Um, I'm different from everybody else on the card because everyone else is wrestling one way and I'm wrestling the other. So it, it works to my advantage, I think. Less is definitely more than. Yeah, less is definitely more, without a doubt. Not only, not only on your body, um, but to the crowd as well. You know, there's nothing. I try to explain to guys my age all the time just because I am second generation and have been around. Um, Jerry Jarrett, Jim Cornette, Rip Rogers, a lot of people that most guys my age haven't. Some younger guys will come to me and ask for advice. And one of the biggest things that I tell them is, you know, a lot of people, a lot of people like ECW, but to me, it was stupid. I'm going to jump off a balcony onto you through a flaming table. And is the crowd going to chant, Adam, Adam? No. They all start chanting ECW. So you don't even get any credit for what you're doing. And now, for 20 years later, if someone does something, goes through a table, hits somebody with a chair, what's the whole crowd still chant? ECW. So you're doing all that crazy stuff. You're not getting yourself recognized with the fans. You're just recycling something they've already seen before, in my mind. So that's what I wish. And it's, it's your body at the end of the day. And we don't have health insurance. So you've only got so many bumps you can take on your bump card. And when the bump card wears out, you know, there you are in the hospital with a broken neck or herniated disc or something, and now you're not getting in the ring anymore. So I always just try to tell guys to slow it down, but they don't want to listen. Which, which guys do you think are set for superstardom in, in modern wrestling? Are there any guys you watch? I know you like the old school. I know you like the old school stuff, but, yeah, is there anyone in, in modern times that you think could be absolutely amazing who hasn't quite hit the heady heights? And not a superstar yet. WWE wise, just yeah, general. Um, AEW. I'd have to break it into categories. If I was going to go just from the WWE, Cesaro should be huge by now. Um, he's amazing. He's just as good as I put him right up there with Guerrero, Benoit, Angle, any of those guys. Um. He, he should be a top guy, and for whatever reason, he's not. I'm a big fan of Dolph Ziggler, but Ziggler's had his chances. Um, he's been world champion a couple times. I just don't think he's ever been used correctly. Um, Cesaro's never had that chance. He's always like a tag team guy or a U.S. champion, which is fine. Uh, maybe that's, his, that's the role they want him to have. 
AEW wise, I don't watch it a lot. Um, I think I watched the first three weeks and never watched it again. Uh, MJF would be a guy that I can see will be a top a top guy in wrestling. Um, outside of that, if I'm going to pick a guy that should just be phenomenal, should be a world champion, is Davy Boy Smith Jr. He's amazing, and he's gotten so much better in the last five years um, just from watching him. And I don't know if he had gotten better or maybe he's just allowed to do more now that he wasn't allowed to do in the WWE. And sometimes people, fans don't understand that. Everyone has a role to play. Um, if I'm match number two, I can't go out there and have a better match what the main event's going to have. And you keep doing that for too long and you'll be fired for it because you can't out – there's a reason why those guys are in the main event. you got to let them have the top spot. Um, so – and, and Davey was in a tag most of the time with Tyson Kidd and was usually second or third match. So maybe he just wasn't allowed to go out there and tear the house down. But I'm telling you, man, now he's incredible. And he's big and he's strong and he can move and he can actually wrestle and has a lot of shoot fighting experience. Um, but he's a tough guy. And when you're in the ring with him, you'll feel it. And I think that's part of the problem. Um in the WWE, they don't have a lot of guys that physical. And it's kind of like Vader. Vader was awesome in WCW. And then when Vader went to the WWF and started working with Shawn Michaels, all of a sudden, well, Vader, not as awesome as what he was. Because Michaels doesn't want to work him. Brent Hart doesn't want to work him. Nobody wanted to work him because he was physical. And I think maybe that's part of it with Davey. A lot of those guys up there just don't maybe don't want that physicality. But if I was going to pick one, yeah, he'd be number one. He'd probably be my world champion. I've watched, um, obviously, they, they stopped for a while. I was watching a lot of MLW over here. So, obviously, I was seeing Davey every week. And it was him, Teddy Hart, and P Pillman Jr. I don't know if you saw, did you see the final of the Opera Cup? <laughs> that was D Davey, Boy, Davey Boy and Brian Pillman Jr. And there was no commentary on, on that match. And it was brilliant. It was so, just to reiterate what you're saying about the standard of Davey Boy, um, it was incredible. <coughs> Incredible, and I'm a big I'm a big fan of uh, Pillman Jr. as well. I think he's going to do very well. Uh, I've met him twice, and uh, the second time I met him, Rip Rogers was with me. He came walking in the locker room. He shook Rip's hand very briefly, went over, sat his bag down, and walked back out. And Rip was like, "Not only does he look just like his dad," he said, "But he acts just like his dad. He's just a hundred miles an hour all the time, like." Can't it's just goes it's just constantly goes and when he talk he just talks and he's talking I mean you've he's a hundred miles an hour what you see in the ring with him is him he's not calm at all he's just wild he's just high very high strung individual but very talented cool I was gonna say who else maybe off off the beaten track is not in the big companies is there anybody locally or, you know, within the territories that, that you think is going to be a big part um, in, in your mind? Yeah, there's actually a guy um, that we uh, we use here in the IWWA in our promotion. Uh, his name is Dylan Bostic. Dylan's got about uh, 1.5 million followers on Twitter. Um, so in the United States, he's pretty popular on the independent level. Dylan is very good. Dylan was trained by Rip. Um, Dylan's not a big guy. He's a, but he reminds me of Eddie Gilbert. 
a lot, honestly, in size and his attire, the way he dresses, the way he wrestles, everything. Um, very good. Tells a good story. Uh, I mean, he can be, he can, you can hate him instantly in about 30 seconds. When I first met him, I thought, wow, this guy is an ass. Uh, then I got to know him and he's, he's okay, but he wants to portray that all the time, which is kind of cool. But yeah, Dylan Bostic has has had uh, three or four tryouts with NXT. First time he was there, he got in a fight. Right off the bat, he was in there for about ten minutes, fought someone at NXT, um, trying to disprove his point, I guess. The next two times in NXT, I uh, won't name any names, but let's just say that he had a, a uh, all night encounter with two females from NXT. <laughs> So I guess that got back to the office as well. So it's three times at NXT. He's, he's uh, been with two of their women and, and, and fought one of their guys. So they definitely know who he is. Um, they know who he is. And it's just a matter of do they want him. Um, so we'll see. Uh, but he's, he's, he's impressive. He's very impressive. Do you, do you hear much about the UK scene? Are you aware of what's going on over here? Or what was going on? I'm not. Um, I know that about two years ago, maybe, maybe a year ago, but it seems like it was probably two years ago that I had read somewhere that someone was bringing back World of Sport. Is that right? World of Sport came back on in 2017, um, and then they, they did it as a one-off, as a pilot, and then... Did a season, did a series. They had Wade, Wade Barrett on commentary, Stu Bennett. Um, but then it got kiboshed. And, and the reason it got kiboshed was because WWE started worrying and set up NXT UK because they knew World of Sport was coming back and they needed to do something pretty quick. So that's why okay. that's why NXT UK came to be because WWE didn't want them stealing a march on the UK market. So it was short. That sounds about like Vince McMahon. <laughs> that sounds about like something he would do you know I, I get asked that question a lot would I ever go work for the WWE as a wrestler no um, as a host or commentator maybe um, but to be honest with you if I was going to do one thing with the WWE I'd like to just go work with their library and all their old footage and just be able to create content for them because they have so much footage and they have so little content that they create with it. It's nerve wracking. And as a host or commentator, I don't want anybody telling me what to say. And they all read a script now. Um, all the new guys that come in, they just feed them a script. And to me, that's not wrestling. Wrestling is vaudeville. Oh, sorry. My battery. It's all right, my mate. Um, wrestling's vaudeville. Wrestling is not um, Broadway. It's not reciting a script. It's being able to go on stage and just uh, react. Um, I couldn't do it. And I gave a lot of props to those guys that can because they're all from a generation before me. They weren't trained that way, but they've picked up on it and learned how to do it. So you got to respect them for that. But I personally don't think I could. It'd be like giving Bruiser Brody a script. I mean, you're not going to be able to do that. Um because that's his character, and, and he knows what he wants to say. He created his character. It's just, it's just so different there now than what it was back when it was the Wild Wild West, as they used to call it. But, uh, yeah, there's a lot of content things they could be doing that they don't do, um, which I'm glad we can give people an alternative. 
because they have old footage on there, but if it's outside the WWE, it's not covered very well, and you don't really know what's going on when they put it on there. But I'll digress from that situation. You brought up, you brought up Vince McMahon, and so I'm not a fan. You're allowed. You're allowed your point of view. You're allowed your opinion. This is uh, this is what I always say to people. Everyone's allowed an opinion at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, it's the same. So, what year were you born? Eighty-six. Eighty-six. So you probably don't. You probably don't remember Pro Wrestling USA. Heard of it? Obviously. In, in so that's when all the other promotions joined together and created Pro Wrestling USA, and we're trying to run shows against Vince, right? When Jarrett went to go work for Vince, when Jerry Jarrett went to go work for Vince in the early nineties, Jerry asked him about that. So did you ever feel any pressure from us doing Pro Wrestling USA? Vince said, I never felt any pressure from you guys at all. How was I supposed to compete with guys who couldn't agree on what kind of pizza to order? Let alone run a wrestling company together. And that's, you know, so you got to give him props. He had a vision and a dream and went with it. Um, if everyone would have just stayed to their own territory and not competed and just competed for their territory, uh, Jim Crockett would still probably be in business, and so would a couple other people. Going national wasn't the wasn't the answer, I don't think. But you know, you got to give him credit; he's number one, makes a lot of money. I guess uh, I'll give him credit for that, but I don't don't like his wrestling philosophy. I guess entertainment wise, he's master, but wrestling wise, he's not. Uh, it's just not wrestling; it's sports entertainment. So. What's the best piece of advice you have from Jerry Jarrett, the legend that he is in the wrestling business? What's the yeah, just what's the best advice you've ever ever had? I'll ask you that. Best advice I've had from Jerry Jarrett. Yeah. Best advice I've probably ever had from him is um, <coughs> he gave me the same advice he gave Lance Russell, who's the famous uh, host of Memphis Wrestling. Yeah. Um, if you go back and never watch any Memphis and you're able to see Lance, which you can watch him on our channel at jarrettparsonsentertainment.com. Lance never lied. And Lance made you feel like he was your friend. And those are the two piece, same pieces of advice that he gives me when I'm a host. One, um, I don't try to word things in a way that make me sound like I'm smarter. Like you're going to look at him and go, wow, he's really smart. I try to word things in a way to where just like me and you are sitting here having a conversation right now. Um, that's how I do all of my hosting and any interviews and anything like that. Just like I'm an average person and try to relate to the common man, which Lance Russell did a great job of that. The second one was don't lie. And what we mean by that is too often, and the WWE is a great example of it, every month you hear what? This is going to be the greatest pay-per-view of all time. Don't miss it. You got to buy it. You got to go get the network. You have to, you know, don't. It's going to be the best. And it's not the best. Every pay-per-view can't be the best. It can't be 30 days ago. You just had the greatest event, and now 30 days later, you're going to have the next greatest event. It's just it's not possible. Nick Gullis, who was the promoter before Jerry Jarrett, that's where Jerry learned that from. Uh, Jerry, Jerry Jarrett said that Nick Gullis would say, and that's the greatest show we've ever had in Nashville until next week. You know, and it's not you, the fans catch on to that. If you go back and watch Lance when he's talking about the Mid South Coliseum cards, 
if it's Jerry Lawler versus Bill Dundee in a loser leaf town, heck yeah, come buy your ticket. Don't miss it. It's going to be sold out. If it was Jerry the King Lawler against me or, you know, Joe Schmo, he would just say, big card coming to you from the Mid-South Coliseum. He didn't try to discredit himself um, or discredit the wrestling. And those are the two things that he's been able to teach me. You can take that philosophy from a wrestling standpoint, from a hosting standpoint, from a producing standpoint, from a promoting standpoint, anything. Just don't lie to people and try to be the common man. And those that's probably the best piece of advice he could ever give me. That's cool, man. That's good. Good answer. Good answer. I think just like sim- simplify it for people, isn't it? You know, you're saying don't be dad wordy, use big words, try and I, I, I take I take what you're saying. Now. It's good, good advice, guys. Good advice. Yeah, I mean, everything today is so much geared towards what we watch on TV, at least here in the United States, is geared towards that those people that you're watching are better than you. And it's just you know, I mean, you got football players making millions of dollars. They're going to sit out if they don't get ten million more. We just won't play at all. When there's people that would love to be in that position yeah. and make that kind of money, yeah. you know. And everything is just so geared towards the rich people that I think that's that philosophy of just being able to relate to the common man. Because uh, that's the majority of wrestling fans. The majority of wrestling fans are not in your upper class. They're middle class America or lower class America um, or England or Russia or China or anywhere. Um, just your working man that, that's trying to sit home for an hour and watch something to ease his mind off whatever happened today. And being able to relate to them is a good way to do that. Adam, to close to close out, I'd just like you to plug Jarrett Parsons Entertainment. You know what what you're offering, what's on there. Yeah, just a little, just to just to close out. I think just explaining. Sure. The list. So three ninety nine a month, one dollar a week, or thirteen cents a day. However you want to look at it. Either way, um, we put it in a budget that anybody could afford, and I, I feel confident that anybody can. Um, it's 30 to 35 hours every month. Sometimes we get more on there. Sometimes it's closer to 50. Classic wrestling, the way it used to be, the way you like it. Actual professional wrestling, not sports entertainment. Uh, Memphis Wrestling, Continental, Southwest, uh, Dick the Bruisers, WWA, The Sheik from Detroit, Portland Wrestling, Polynesian Pro from Hawaii with the Maya Vitas. Um, if you don't know those promotions by name, uh, being from across the pond, some names I could give you is Andre the Giant, Lou Fez, Hulk Hogan before he was in the WWF, um, Roddy Piper, Ric Flair, uh, Bullet Bob Armstrong, Jerry the King Lawler, Tommy Rich, the Midnight Express, the Rock and Roll Express, Kamala, um, you name it. I always like to tell people from Luthes to New Jack, it's it's all there somewhere. Uh, Nature Boy Buddy Rogers, Vern Gagne, it's Abdul the Butcher, the Sheik, they're all there. And uh, for a dollar a week, 13 cents a day, You'll also get to hear from myself. You'll get to hear from my father, Rock Parsons. You'll get to hear from uh, the hustler, Rip Rogers. And you'll get to hear from Jerry Jarrett. Um, plus, there's about to be uh, some more interviews put up as well from wrestling legends. So there's a lot to offer. And that's uh, all it is. is for the fans of yesteryear who miss classic professional wrestling and aren't fans of sports entertainment. Superb. Superb. Encapsulated. Encapsulated. Brilliant now what you offer. My guest today on Stu Justin Podcast, all the way from Kentucky. First person from Kentucky as well, because I've got a few guys on from the US. Mr. Adam Parsons of Jarrett Parsons Entertainment. Thank you for coming on today, Mum. 
Yes, sir. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. This episode is brought to you in association with Powered 4 TV. So go and check them out for anything wrestling related, old events, new events when we come out of COVID, podcasts, you name it, it's all there at Powered 4 TV. So find them across social media. Podcast Network.